Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Welcome back to the Food Therapy Podcast. We are so excited to have Brenta Pond on the podcast today. So Brenta Pond is a body acceptance advocate and content creator from Toronto. She encourages others to live unapologetically and embrace their bodies through honest conversations and comedic content. Her goal is to stop the war we have going on with our bodies and to prove it is possible to show ourselves kindness no matter our size. So welcome. Yay. Thank you for having me. So, you know, I feel like what I just described, it, it really resonates with our audience. So tell us your story. Tell us, you know, what led you to becoming this body confidence influencer? I spent a really long time, basically my whole life. I'm 27 years old. So 27 years really just in and out of diet culture on these, you know, fad diets. And my whole life really was me being obsessed with my weight. And so that fluctuated a lot. And I found a lot at the time I was placing my my ability to be confident or my acceptance of myself and my body on the way that I looked. And I got to a point when I was like 26, I think, maybe 25, where I had just sort of had enough. I spent every single day, you know, counting calories or, you know, watching my weight. And I just wanted to be able to live a life outside of that, to be able to wear whatever I wanted and not care. So I really hit basically rock bottom Mm -hmm. and was sort of just sick of it. I was, I was tired, really. I just wanted to live my life. And my aha moment was sort of surrounded by this one day when I got to go wedding dress shopping for the first time. And I pushed the date back for as long as I possibly could because I was like, well, no, I can lose more weight. I can lose more weight. I can lose more weight. And I let, again, my weight just take over this beautiful experience. The day of the actual appointment, I decided that I was going to go into it and not make it about my weight. And that was the first time I sort of experienced body neutrality, where I just sort of got to experience a day where something wasn't about my body for the first time. And that led me to wanting to share that experience online with people. I was already sort of online with this little tiny platform, but I was more so sharing like my weight loss journey, Mm. but it was in such an unhealthy way. So I thought maybe I'll shift that focus and show everyone what I'm learning about body neutrality and body acceptance. And it got me here. (laughs) That's incredible. And also the wedding industry, you know, diet culture is really predatory on these moments that are meant to be beautiful. So pregnancy, childbirth, and then of course, weddings, right? That's like a whole industry in itself. So I'm curious, like, what did you say to yourself or how did you get to a place of neutrality that day? Because if you like live your entire life making it about your weight, how did you shift that to make it not about your weight? I, so the first time that morning, I remember waking up being completely defeated 
and looking in the mirror and like, the, I think that was the first sort of instance of like mirror work that I had. And I do mirror work and I talk about it so much now, but I think that was the first instance of mirror work where I was sort of like looking at myself in the mirror, like really connecting with myself and my body and saying, Hey, this is not going to be about the way you look today. I really have like a little pep talk with myself in the mirror and I was surrounded by really great people like the environment I, I was I was just lucky like the environment I was in in that wedding dress store was positive and it was great and they actually had you know dresses in my size mm-hmm. and you know I brought people with me that made me feel comfortable so I, I made the experience I sort of curated the experience so that I wouldn't be triggered, which I think is really important as well. Just be mindful of your triggers as much as you possibly can. And I just, I told myself as much positive things as I could and just went headfirst into it and said, you know what, I'm going to try. Because I mean, all you can do is try, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. Is there, and I think the curating your experience, I love the idea of that. And I feel like it's so true. It just depends on who you're around that and the way that they make you feel. Was there like, where had you heard about like body neutrality in that moment? Like what, was there anything that you heard or somebody you were following that you were like, oh, I want to try this out. I had never heard of the word before like maybe the week after that day. So I, I was doing and ex- experiencing body neutrality, but I had no idea what it was. I didn't even know that word exists. All I knew was body positivity, mm-hmm. which hindered my experiences with my body for so long because I was like, oh my God, I have to be positive. Oh my God, I have to fake it, which is not the case. You, you, you don't have to be positive all the time. I mean, we're human beings. Right. I mean, especially when it comes to our bodies, we might struggle for the rest of our lives. But again, we all we can do is try. Um, but leading up to that day or leading up to the days after that, I just sort of did my research and the word body neutrality sort of popped up. And then I started to discover more of that world online and, you know, all of these different content creators that I absolutely loved really helped me sort of lean into it. So it was a lot of research and just experiencing it before I even knew what it was. It's so true. I think that people think like it's either a place of body hatred or body dislike to body love. And it's just, it's a really unrealistic place to be all the time. And so can we get to this place of like body neutrality, body respect? And also like, keep in mind, like it is a journey. If you know, it's similar to if you've had a relationship with someone and it's been like a really negative relationship for most of your life, it's not going to all of a sudden like poof, like this relationship is going to be really great and positive and even neutral. So giving yourself the space to work on that relationship is so critical. I love that word that you use. I love the word body respect. I don't even think that's, I don't know if it's a term or not, but just that respect. Because we give respect to so many other people. And, you know, when it comes to their bodies, especially with our friends, that respect for yourself, even if it's not acceptance yet, just, you know, show your body a little bit of respect as you go about your days. And I think that's just sort of key to how you should navigate that world. Yes. Yeah. And thinking of it as a relationship, right? Like imagine like it is a relationship. It's not something that you're going to check off your to-do list, right? It's an ongoing relationship. And in our life, in our friendships, in our romantic relationships, like we are always, there's always something, right? That's either going really well or not going well. And that's how it is with your body, right? It's not going to, every day isn't going to be this amazing day. And when we talk about like body love, body love, body love, there's this idea that like, oh, you have to love your body all the time, but that's not necessarily the fact. And body respect, like again, thinking of it like in another relationship, 
even if you're in a fight, you still have to respect the person, right? So thinking of it inside yourself, you still have to respect yourself. You still have to feed your body. You still have to move if that's what's feeling good to you that day, even if you're mad at it or you're not happy with what it's looking like. And what exactly. I, think, I love that. Yeah. No, I was going to say like an example of body respect that I always come down to with clients is, are you dressing your here and now body? Because, you know, and I, what I think about respect, I think about dressing your body in a way that is comfortable, that makes you feel good. It's not even just about the confidence. It's like, are you wearing clothing that fits and that feels comfortable? And like, that is like the utmost respect that I can think of when it comes to, you know, body respect, because so many times we're either trying to squeeze into clothing that maybe if it is years ago that no longer serves us or trying to diet to reef into those clothing instead of just really embracing the here and now body. Oh, I love that. When it comes to clothing, that was my biggest almost, almost trigger. Cause I remember buying clothes that were, I knew would be too small that wouldn't fit me, but I was like, this is going to be my motivation and I'm going to fit into this. And I love this top and they don't make it in my size, mm. but that's okay. And that also sort of leans into that conversation of, what brands could be doing better to make us, you know, feel more comfortable with our bodies. Cause the fashion industry is a huge, huge, huge industry. And it, it has a lot of, I don't want to word this properly because I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable, but it has a huge effect on the way people feel about their bodies. Yeah. It always has, whether it's a commercial or an ad or the most important thing, what they're offering. Cause if they're not offering clothing your size, it makes you feel like you did something wrong. And that's how I felt for so long. So it's a lot of work, this whole process. And again, it's a lot of work and just remembering that not all of it is your fault either. And that comes back to that relationship and just not blaming yourself. There's multiple sides to all of this and a lot of work that goes into it. Yeah. Right. I think there's also this, it's, really just the influence. The fashion industry has such a huge influence on us. And even in the just the past few years where they've started to including different sized bodies and, you know, certain ads and stuff, and it's amazing uh, and so helpful, honestly, but just completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, even I think that there's been, I think that there's definitely been some progress, but we're not nearly where we need to be when it comes to the clothing industry. Like, yes, some brands are becoming more inclusive, but even this idea of like plus size or, you know, it makes people feel like marginalized and it Mm -hmm. makes, you know, and so I think it should just be in the sizing. Like they would make more money. Isn't it about always about the money anyway? So these would make more money if they just were more size inclusive. And you have to be really careful when you have those brands that are, offering plus size clothing because I noticed something where they if you go onto their websites they have like you know straight sizing regular sizing but then there's a separate section for plus size and right. you'll notice a price difference you'll notice a difference in style mm-hmm. so it makes it look as though they're inclusive but in reality they're not the equity is not there mm-hmm. and it makes me there are very 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 few stores that I can go on to and see something in a size small that I can also get in a double XL in my size. Yeah. And that hurts. It hurts that I have to go to another portion of the website or when I go into stores, another section of the store just to find something in my size or right. that hurts me. It's hurts that I, that I have to have a different experience than somebody else. Exactly. And it gives you this idea that you're doing something wrong. And it's, you know, I've had clients that are like, I just like, I feel like I'm wrong. My body is wrong. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's not you that's wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. It's 
our society and, and the fact that for whatever reason, they can't just include it in sizing, which is crazy to me. Me too. Because again, you'd, they'd make more money. Right. <laughs> it makes so much more money. It doesn't make sense. There are like very subtle changes that I'm noticing now, at least with the mannequins. They're not like size zero mannequins yeah. anymore. Like that's more weight inclusive. I even was at like Macy's randomly a few weeks ago and there was like a whole Barbie section. And like now there's more like weight inclusive Barbies. But again, like these were such subtle changes on the macro level, like there's so much work that needs to be done for these brands. And I'm really glad to see that now we have all of these influencers and people who are in different size bodies who are showing body diversity. And I'm really hoping that has an impact on the fashion industry to be like, wow, like women of all sizes want to dress, you know, in a fashionable way. It's also these uh, plus size mannequins. They just have bigger hips. They still have like perfectly yeah, flat stuff. Hundred percent. You're right. <laughs> like that's the other part of that. Like I guess is this would be the equivalent of a mannequin. But online, when you see these models wearing clothing, even if they offer it in your size, the problem I find is that even if it's a plus size model, like I don't, I don't have that model's body. Like I have this. Right. So I give kudos to the brands like Savage Fenty that are showing their models in a huge array of sizes and body type. There, it's, it's a true testament to body diversity because people who shop on their website, literally anyone can see their body type and see what the clothing is going to look like on their body. Because that's always my biggest problem. I'll order something that I saw on a model with a flat stomach and I'm like, oh, it doesn't look the same on me for that reason. Exactly. No, you're so right. It's still a model's body. What is, I'm trying to think of like the, it's not Lululemon type brand, but it, oh my God, what is it? It's like a workout, like athleisure brand. And I feel like they do a really good job at showing all different types of sizing. I have to look it up, but I will find it. Not very. I want to know. No, (laughs) I'm going to Google it and and I'm curious. I know. <laughs> Just, I'm looking. I actually didn't even realize Savage Fenty was like this. Yeah, their website is it's really cool. It's like, you want to see a size 3X model? Here you go. That's awesome. That's amazing. So what, put yourself in your past shoes and what would you have said to somebody who was in your past shoes? Definitely didn't word that great, but you know what I mean? So I guess another way of saying it is like, what advice do you have for women who are unhappy in their bodies and they're (laughs) really having a hard time embracing themselves in their like here and now body? This is something that I used to do, but I would highly discourage, encourage people to do this and I would highly discourage them from doing it now. The whole idea of faking it, faking that positivity, Mm. fake it, lean into those feelings, you know, figure out where they're coming from, figure out what those triggers are. And I'm just telling them that it's, it's okay to have those bad days, that there is never going to be a perfect day with your body. Am I happy with my body every single day? Yes. Is it every minute, every second of every day? Absolutely not. That is the truth behind all of this, behind the acceptance and the body confidence and even the body positivity. And that's why I hate that word body positivity and why I don't use it is because it's very misleading mm-hmm. and it puts a lot of pressure on people. And it's what prevented me from actually finding just a sense of peace with my body for so long is because I felt that pressure to be perfect or to be positive and to just love my body. And it's just not the case. So I would tell people that it's okay to have those bad days. And as long as you're working towards a state of peace or a state of respect and acceptance with your body, you're doing absolutely fine. You're doing a great job. Just don't stop working towards that. 
I love the idea of leaning in and this, we had Brie Campos on and are you familiar, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her work, but she talks a lot about sitting in the suck. So rather than like running from these negative or, you know, even just like uncomfortable emotions, like can you sit with them and see where they're coming from and feel the discomfort? Because what happens often is whenever someone feels discomfort and they're in more of like a diet centric mindset, the first thought is like, okay, let me just like go on a diet tomorrow. Let me cut back. Let me start to restrict as opposed to sitting with that. And like, why is this uncomfortable? How can I, you know, have compassion for myself and realize it can be really hard. And there isn't a single person on this planet that has never struggled with their body size or body image, I should say. Obviously, people who are in larger bodies face weight stigma and weight discrimination. And that's like a whole other level. Even in people in smaller size bodies, it's not like they're immune to never having negative body image thoughts. Exactly. And I, and I want these conversations to continue to happen. And so that people know, cause I don't, I see these conversations happening online where people are like, well, skinny girls can't really feel bad about themselves or, and I hate the idea of like, what's the word gatekeeping. I hate the idea of sort of gatekeeping a movement or gatekeeping anything because we're all, we're all the same. We all have the same feelings. Yes. We have different levels of like discrimination and we have, you know, different experiences, but those feelings, people can feel the same feelings, whether or not they're in a size two X or small, those insecurities with their bodies are still going to be there. We all, you know, watch the same shows and are influenced by the same type of media. It absolutely happens. So we can all be taking that same advice. And I love that. I love that phrase, sitting in the sack. I'm going to take that with me forever. Yes, take it. (laughs) I love it so much. It's just so honest. It's Yeah, I mean, it sucks. Like it sucks to feel uncomfortable in your body or to feel just like you want to almost like escape it at times. But embracing that feeling as opposed to trying to run from it is going to be so helpful in the long run. Absolutely. I love that. And sometimes all you need is permission to sit in the sock. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because usually it's just our first instinct is to run from it. Yeah. And if you just like let yourself feel, it sucks. And there's not much you can do about it, but sometimes you just have to let yourself feel. And I love what you say about, you know, it's valid for anybody to have those feelings, right? Because it's so frustrating when it's like, okay, we're trying to be inclusive, but we're really just being exclusive of other types of bodies then. So it's like, why can't we all just be inclusive? Yeah, I think it, but I do really think it's important to make the distinction because I, you know, I will admit even earlier before I really learned about weight stigma and, you know, fat phobia, I was like, I'm having such a bad body image day and almost like relating my experience to those in larger bodies. Totally, totally. When that wasn't the case. And so I think it is really important to be like, there are people who walk around in this world who are getting discriminated against on a daily basis, whether it means they're not making as much in the workplace or the sizing isn't inclusive in stores or even just going on an airplane and not being able to sit in certain seats. So I totally agree with like both. I feel like they both can coexist where how can we make space for those who also feel uncomfortable in their smaller bodies, but also acknowledging that there are those who are in larger bodies who are facing like real trauma and like discrimination on a daily basis. I love that. I think the issue that people were having online, I think a lot of the bigger bodies were having an issue with people um, sort of co-opting the phrase body positivity. And that was a big issue. And that was a conversation that a lot of people had, mainly because of the origins of the movement. And it it sort of got lost in translation and took on its own sort of meaning. 
And while I have, I personally have no issue with people, you know, normalizing the bloat, normalizing, you know, eating disorders and having all those issues. My issue is with not giving certain platforms the, the time that they never got before, if that makes any sense, because that's what people were sort of getting irritated with. But to take those, to take that acknowledgement away from smaller bodies or from anybody and to say, well, you don't deserve to feel that way, I think is absolutely wrong. And I think that's something that that's a message we should not be spreading whatsoever, because again, everybody has those issues and it's important to acknowledge them. The idea of like sitting in the suck again and going back to giving yourself permission, I absolutely love that idea of people coming online and talking about that because that sort of gives other people permission as well like I never really got to sit in my feelings and thought that it was okay to sit in those crappy feelings until I saw people online doing it and talking about the normalcy of it because at that point I was like okay this is normal everyone does it and it's actually quite helpful and yeah. that's when I started to give myself permission to do it. And it actually, even just giving yourself permission makes you feel at least 10% better that you're allowed to be sitting in this <laughs> stuff. You're allowed to feel that way rather than trying to force yourself to feel a different way. Speaking of platforms, you know, I want to hear a bit about BODCON events because I know that there's been some involvement there. So first, like, how did you first get involved? And did they find you on your platform? Did you hear about them? And like, what is it? So Jess Hutchinson, which is a co- who is the co-founder of BotCon, actually reached out to me last year, the end of last year, when they were sort of still planning BotCon, the original mm-hmm. BotCon. And, you know, my platform was really small then and I had no idea like what was going on or what this would be about, but she explained it really well. And as time went on, I got a lot more details about it and I was just so excited. So she reached out to me for some reason, thought that I would be a good fit, saw something in me and asked if I would speak. And I said, sure. I was a little bit hesitant, but she said that I would be on a panel of, you know, other incredible speakers. And I absolutely was. And yeah, after she reached out to me, I think it was in... February, the end of February, that it aired and it created this sort of community and environment of just safety where we can all talk about our bodies and our experiences and anyone who attended. I mean, I attended the whole thing and I remember feeling like I'd found my people, <laughs> like I found a safe space and a great community. So the BotCon was that event that was the first of its kind to talk about, you know, body acceptance and everything that comes along with it. And they sort of have now, and I'm so glad they did this, but they have now continued those conversations with their space online. They have an Instagram account and they're starting to do the BotCon talks. And so their next event, I think is June 27th. And they're doing, I think they're talking beach bodies. So it's, you know, a conversation that includes everything to do with your beach body and, you know, wearing the bikini and, you know, how we all feel about our bodies in the summertime and leading up to the summertime, which is such, I know, a huge trigger point for me as well as other people. So they're having these conversations and they're creating a platform where everyone can just feel okay in their bodies. And I love that. I love the idea of like feeling safe. Yeah. Right. Having like a platform that really incorporate some safety and inclusivity is so necessary and needed. 100%. We're there 100%. I love that. Amazing. And I'm curious, the you were on a panel, what specifically, like what topics did you talk about, if you remember? So I, we, I was on the panel for body image in a cultural sense. 
So we spoke a lot about our upbringings and I mean, you know, I was raised in the South Asian community and we talked about how that affected my upbringing and my uh, relationship with my body. And we talked about how, you know, because I was born and raised in Canada, talked about how me being born and raised in, you know, these two sort of different cultures that both had the same idea of what bodies were supposed to look like and, you know, encouragement of diet culture in those two cultures, how that affected the way I looked at my body and how long it affected the way I was negative towards my body as well. So those are very important conversations, important conversations, especially because people in my community don't really talk about body image that much or body acceptance that much or diet culture, which is really horrible. So I'm glad that we got to expand those conversations and sort of link them, not just to you know, our relationships to our bodies now, but where all of those uh, triggers came from and how we were raised. I think that's, that's important distinctions to have. It's huge. And every culture is so different too. And it, I'm curious, like how did your upbringing sort of impact how you saw your body, how you felt in your body? Like what were sort of like the expectations that were there? Oh, skinny and fair. That was the, that was the expectation. Two things that I could not control because I am born in my skin color, number one. As a child, you know, I love to play outside. So I was always 10. But the other part of that is, is my body. I couldn't control that. I was a growing girl. I couldn't control, you know, my relationship with food at the time because I wasn't educated on it. Those things and the way people would talk about food in our community, the way I would see, you know, aunties and uncles talk about other people's bodies in our community it affected me wanting to even put food into my body at all. It affected the way that I looked at other people's bodies, which I thought was really horrible because it made me feel like I was a part of the problem as well now that I look back at it. So it was a lot of that internalized fat phobia, but I was just always aiming to be skinny, always aiming to be fair. I tried, you know, like, or I was pushed to try you know, lightning creams and different diets and, oh, you know, this tea will help you lose weight and this is good for different things. And it was a constant cycle of just how can you change your body to be better? There was never really a good enough, I felt like. So that's how my culture affected me, unfortunately. And then you have, you know, the era of like Paris Hilton and Britney Spears and you you see the way the media portrays their bodies as ideal. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just... It was a hard time growing up, definitely. And even with those celebrities, I remember magazines saying like Jessica Simpson, like in her size six jeans or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, like if you think that she doesn't look good, like what in the world do you think about most women in this country? Because she looks phenomenal. I actually read Jessica Simpson's memoir and it was amazing, which I was not expecting to read and enjoy. It was incredible. She talks a lot about her body image and how it was impacted by like the media and how she was like, at the time when I was told that I was too big, like I literally was in a size 14 size. So it's just, it's crazy. I remember those pictures, the one of her in the black tank top and the blue jeans, and they got like angled of her singing from the floor. I will never forget that image because as a young girl looking at the way they portrayed that, I was like, oh my God, that's not what I don't want to be. And now I'm looking back at that image. I'm like, she wasn't even, like, what was wrong with that? Right. I, I she has an entire chapter devoted to oh. that one photograph. Oh my God. Oh, really? I, yes. I got to read that book. I know, me too. 
An entire image. I mean, entire chapter. Yeah, I will never unsee that image and the way that they portrayed it. And I'm glad that I'm getting a new perspective because it was sort of, it was being circulated online now in sort of a new light. I think it was on TikTok maybe, where they were like, they thought this was bad. Like the way that they portrayed these bodies and how it affected our generation was a, is a huge conversation that's happening right now. And I love that we're having those conversations. Yeah, it's incredible. I can't even imagine being like in the public eye you know, in the way that she was and the way that you are, it's like, you're like, this is how it is. This is it. Like, (laughs) accept me or not, you know, whatever. But I, and obviously like, as we're having more of these conversations, it's becoming hopefully more and more normalized. But when we were younger, like, they just get absolutely ripped apart and it's crazy. I mean, even down to like, how much they feel like they have to, you know, in these ads, I don't know if you guys followed any of those like Instagram accounts that basically pick out celebrities that you can tell that they like used a skinny app or something like that. It's just sad that they have to do that to feel like they fit in. I mean, and also the impact it has on like the younger generation, I cannot imagine what these young men and women think or feel because, you know, it's, we never had editing apps growing up. Like you would take a photo, add it to like the 60 max Facebook (laughs) album. And that was about it. Right. When you could only upload 60 pictures at a time, like (laughs) TikTok, Instagram, like all of these social media platforms did not exist. Snapchat. And it's just, it's so crazy. And I will say I've never face tuned or done anything to any images because I am so technologically challenged, but I'm so glad that I never did because I don't want to look back at photos when that wasn't who I actually looked like and who I resembled. Oh, I love that. I remember, I think it was like three years ago, we went to a wedding in England and uh, there's a picture of me and my my fiance and I'm like I have my arms around him and I'm wearing a like a strapless dress so my arms are just out and I think it was that night that I discovered this like editing app and I edited the photo and I edited my arms and I found that I got like a memory in my phone and I found that photo today and I'm like what was I first of all it doesn't look natural like I know my body even it's if like also like the little shaded like the blurry area like on the <laughs> arm I'm like, I know that's not what I look, why, why would I do that? And I'm like, I remember that night. That was such a great night. I love that dress. I got so many compliments on that dress. Why did I feel the need to do that? And I was just absolutely horrified, but uh, it's a slippery slope. It, it truly is. Even now, I mean, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, Kim Kardashian got booked for editing her Skims video. Yeah, that's what I was. Last night, I think the... Keeping Up With The Kardashians reunion aired and Chloe talked about how the media affected the way she feels about her body now and what she's done to her body in terms of editing and in terms of like plastic surgery. And I, while I feel for her, because we've all experienced that, somebody brought up a great point when all of this Chloe conversation first started happening months ago, that being honest about it, you know, like edit your photos, use a filter, whatever, get plastic surgery, it's fine. Do what you want with your body, but be honest about it and transparent about using those things would set young girls and a whole generation up for different expectations about their bodies and what their bodies were naturally capable of. 
presented as, well, this is just my body. That's now presented as this ideal body type. And when you're the biggest family in the world and you you get a lot of attention, I feel like it's just so important to be transparent about what you're doing because not, because I mean, body autonomy is great. It's everyone should have that. Do what you want with your body. I, I totally believe in that, but just be honest about it because otherwise you're doing more damage than you are doing good. Yes. Doesn't Instagram now show the filters that are being used? I actually stopped using filters and okay, I'm not going to say I will always stop using them because I'm sure there'll be times where I I just feel better using them. But at least Instagram says like she's using this filter. So it's not like I don't look like I have like butterflies like coming out of my hair and, you know, I'm like glistening in the sunset. Like, no, this is, you know, there is a filter on it. Even if you, they did a great job with that, I will say, because even if you repost that story to your feed, it automatically tells you in the, in the, in the caption that that you're using Mm -hmm. a filter. Love it. Yeah. And just one more thing, going back to Kim Kardashian, she was on an interview and, uh, it was on TV. I don't even know who was interviewing her, but they had asked her like, you know, do you feel like Skims presents unattainable body standards? And she said, absolutely not. We work out, we eat healthy. Like that's an attainable standard. And I was just like, I, uh, it's just so frustrating. It's so, first of all, so privileged for her to say. Yes. Um, You have a chef. Right. Chef, trainer, makeup artist or stylist. Like, come on. I think the acknowledgement of that privilege and the acknowledgement of the not real parts of their bodies mm-hmm. would have made that conversation a little bit yes. better. Which is yeah. sad because she's just, she's so in, enveloped in it that she doesn't even see how it's wrong or bad, honestly. And that sucks. I want someone to sit down and have like, I want like Jamila Jamil to yeah. have them on her podcast <laughs> and just in like a friendly, educational way, yes. explain the ways in which what they're doing not, not even what they're doing to their bodies, but how they present their bodies is harmful. Yes. Because even like, I mean, they have daughters. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine what no. those girls are going to grow up thinking is okay? No. I just, they really can't. Transparency is just so important, I feel like, especially in this day and age. It changes everything. So yeah, what advice do you have for others who are listening to this and, you know, what can they do to help see and hear whatever, let me, let me rephrase. (laughs) What advice do you have for people who are constantly on social media are seeing the Kim Kardashians of the world or seeing these celebrities and how can we help them either reframe how they're viewing social media or how they're using social media or just like really combating some of the negative body image pictures that are out in the world and diet culture. I think there's two ways you can do that. The first way is going back to that curation to curate your social media, mm-hmm. you know, make it a timeline and a following list of people that will make you feel better about yourself. There's just because everyone follows the crash doesn't mean you have to follow them. You can support them, but if looking at them makes you feel worse about yourself, then you don't, you don't have to follow them. I stopped watching their show because I remember how badly I would feel about my body once I saw their bodies mm-hmm. and the changes that I wanted to make. And I mean, it, I, there's certain things, you know, that I love and will support about them, but I just couldn't do it. And I made that choice for myself. And you know what? That's absolutely Okay. No one's going to care. No one's going to know. Yeah. Curate it, you, curate it your way because it should be a healthy place. It should, it, and it can be, it can be a healthy place 
it can be an educational place. You just have to find the right accounts, I think. And the second part of that, I think, is just to go into social media with a realistic frame of mind and state of mind. And that goes back to knowing you know, maybe when a filter is being used or maybe when something's been edited because it can make you really uncomfortable with your own body when you see those things happening on social media. So just to be as realistic as possible and to remember that just because somebody else's body looks a certain way doesn't mean your body has to or will look that way and that it's absolutely okay. I love those two tips. (laughs) So great. Also, I finally found the athleisure company I was looking for. It's Girlfriend Collective. So they do, if you look at, you know, on their website, it's all different shapes and sizes and they're not marginalized to say, you know, this is a plus size. It's just like, here we are. And I really like their workout attire. And they show like real things. They show like armpit hair and dimples and cellulite. Like, let's go. I love that. You know what else is kind of really good with that is maybe not on their website, but on their Instagram is the brand Misguided. Mm-hmm. I think has yeah. a, a great job in terms of like mainstream, like fast fashion. Their social media, I mean, I like following them just as a page, not even because yeah. of the clothes. Amazing. Love I them. love that. It's so great. So Brenda, where could our listeners find you and follow you? They can find me on TikTok at, at Brenda Pollen. And on Instagram at, at Instagram. Love it. Well, thank you so much for, you know, coming on today. This was such an awesome conversation. And I really think that it's going to help so many people who are struggling and who just want to get to a place of neutrality with their yeah. bodies. And such an important conversation. Such an important combo. Absolutely. Thank you guys so, so much for having me. I love talking to you guys. Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.